When I was in high school and teachers advised me about the ACT, it was about the content. Now it's mainly about how to answer the questions and all those tips and strategies are right here, right now. All right, guys, welcome back to another week. I want to talk about the ACT today, and here's why. Over the last three years that I've substitute taught, it's come up every year because I've done some high school every year. It's sort of the time of year now when a lot of students are taking the ACT and SAT as well. In fact, I'd say SAT is probably more popular in many areas of the country than the ACT is. But in my particular area, it's more about the ACT and the strategies. I remember buying books. Strategies back in my day were the content, how to study the content. And for the most part, I'll be honest with you, you either know it or you don't. You know, it's kind of if you didn't pay attention in class and don't know about the content, well, you know, it's kind of your fault at that point. So most of the strategy these days are training on the questions and the format and what ACT does to, yes, trick you. And many people think it's what the ACT does to keep you from scoring those 26 through 28 and higher scores Because that's going to cost some money. That means additional scholarships. And there are a lot of smart, intelligent teachers out there that think the ACT purposely formulates the test to reduce the number of 26 through 28 scores and therefore reduce the amount of money that needs to be handed out in scholarships. So we're going to talk about that. First, I'm going to do a totally unrelated story about a substitute teacher this week, something that happened that you don't want to be involved with. Here's the story. This happened at a school that I know about, and some of the students, some of the teachers were even walking by the room and and telling administration, listen, that substitute teacher in there is not giving those kids any attention. He is basically reared back in his chair, looking away from the kids on his phone and basically has his head buried in his phone. So the assistant principal went by, looked through the window and confirmed what everybody was saying. So principal went by, opened the door with the key, walked in, substitute teacher never looked up. He could actually see the kids snickering because they knew why the principal was there. He walks over to the desk. Again, substitute teacher never looks up. In fact, he saw earbuds in his ears. So he then starts rapping at the desk until the substitute teacher finally turns around. I don't know what the consequences were other than the fact that they'll never ask that substitute teacher back. So, guys, don't get caught up in something like that. Now, I'll I'll be honest here. 
The fact that you're taking the time to listen to a podcast about substitute teachers means that you want to improve. You're not one of those people. But if you ever run across people that tell you that's all they do, tell them how that is terrible for those kids, that they need to at least pay them attention and show that they care. So that's the end of my soapbox for today. Actually, it's not because I'm getting ready to get on a soapbox about the ACT test. I've really picked up on from a lot of teachers as a substitute teacher, and substitute teachers need to know this. I hope there's some teachers listening too. We all need to know this. ACT is important for getting into college. You've heard the rumors, especially after you know going through all the COVID situation. For those of you that are listening in the future, this is October 3rd, 2021. This is the time period we're talking about. There's rumors going around that a lot of colleges will stop taking aptitude scores, such as the ACT and SAT, and still just base everything on grade point average and performance in high school. We're not really to that point yet. You know, some colleges may be doing that on a trial basis, but we're not really to that point yet. But it's important to realize that I feel like teachers are now sharing strategies about the questions themselves and the way they're composed more so than the content of the material. Now, whether you think that's right or not, it's, it's the facts. There are statistically proven testing methods that work on the ACT. I'm going to share some of those with you. And what I've already told you about how, you know, just like any other business, any other organization, they try to save money where they, are, where they can. And that means the more students they can keep from getting a high score, the less money is going to exchange hands from scholarship, whoever that money might be from. So we got to face the facts that if we want our kids to get a high score, 28 kind of kicks you into a higher echelon of scholarship money. Of course, the maximum score on an ACT is 36. I won't tell you what I got. I know personally of some people that have moved their scores from a 19 all the way up to a 26, and most of what they did on their second attempt had to do with question strategies rather than studying more for the content. So let's get into it a little bit now. What I have is some strategies I've heard over the years. I am not confirming or denying that they work. I'm just going to tell you that there's a large amount of people that insist that they do work. I'm not even going to tell you I agree with them, but I am going to try to prepare you to share with students. The great thing about this, teachers can use this information to share with students. Substitute teachers can use a few of these each time they teach the kids that are going to be taking the test in high school and therefore get them prepared. You'll be on the top of those students' list if you give them just a couple of ideas at the end of your teaching class that will help them on their ACT endeavors. I'll start with some general strategies I have come across that I've heard teachers say that they share with their students. 
overall in general, and then I'm going to get into some specific for each of the categories, the main categories that are in the ACT test. First of all, this is true of any test. Don't leave anything blank. Make sure that they you remind them, don't leave anything blank. If they skip ahead, they have to remember. Mark on that test. Tell them to mark on the test. It's okay to do that. Circle things. Make sure you put big stars next to questions that you have to come back to so you don't forget. Here's a strategy that's interesting. I guess, you know, I'm a big statistics geek anyway, and apparently, according to statistics, and we're talking about questions that the student has no idea about, they're going to have to pick a letter, okay? Let's say you got A, B, C, D. Let's say out of 100 questions, I don't even remember how many questions are on the test anymore. Let's say out of 100 questions, you're guessing at seven. Statistically speaking, it seems that a strategy that works best is for all seven of those questions, pick the same letter. Like if you decide your letter is going to be B, Well, pick B on all seven of the questions that you have no idea about. Now, if you have an inkling of an idea, that is different. I feel like I'm talking to the students now. But if if the student has an inkling of an idea, they need to go with that. But if they have no idea at all about a question and there's, say, seven of them on the test, and you decide to go with B, that's just a suggestion. Maybe you want to go with C. That's the best strategy. Statistically speaking, you'll get more of those seven correct if you choose the each, you know, the same letter on each one rather than jumping around. Apparently, jumping around from all seven of those questions and picking different letters increases the likelihood that you're going to get them all wrong. Whereas if you pick the same letter, for instance, B again, on all seven of those questions, you will at least get some of those questions right. So that's an interesting strategy. If you've got a chance, you know, you can get old ACT tests, share some of those with the students. See if that strategy works. Have them work through some. Just marking the same letter for maybe five questions and seeing you know, doing it that way and then having another student mark five different answers, five different letters for the same questions. See if that strategy works for you. But what I'm reading is statistically speaking, that will work. I'm going to talk about the reading section next. Now, I think most of you have listened to more than one episode of this. A lot of you have gone back and listened to them all. A lot of you have listened to all of them from the beginning. And it don't take no Albert Einstein to know that I'm a math guy. So I'm strong in math. Math comes more naturally to me. And the reason I say I'm not bragging is because reading and English does not. That are my that is my weakest categories. Kind of enjoyed right. By the way, I got to tell you, I told you last week, I'm gonna say it again. I wrote a novel called butterfly swag it's about the butterfly effect and time travel and i've given away probably 40 books and all the kids are coming back and say they love it one i gave a copy to all of my own kids and one of them admitted to me today that he said 
I didn't want to read that. I figured it would be so dumb. And he said, but I actually enjoyed the book. So Butterfly Swag, I've it's got me so excited because I've handed out at least 40 copies. Students come up to me every day and ask me if they can get a copy of the book. And I am more than happy to give them one for free, sign it. It makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. They come up to me and talk about it. They're leaving me reviews on Amazon, so it's really cool. So, sorry, I just had to mention that. While we're on the topic, or off the topic, so to speak, go to our Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook group. We talk about a lot of stuff on there, more so this week than ever. Some of it's very controversial. We will continue more of the controversial type of discussions on there. So, if you like that kind of thing, or if you just want to chime in, tell your viewpoint, I won't allow anybody to criticize you, but I will allow you to state your opinion strongly, okay? Now, I do want to say this. We're getting some new members. Sometimes they will post things for sale. From what I can tell, most of the time, it's not to make them money. It's more like teachers pay teachers type stuff. Be careful because if I can see you're only doing this to make money for yourself, I'm going to take you back off. And some of that is coming from new members. So that's not what we're there for. I love sharing of ideas. But if you're going to post something like this, tell us which one of those that you're recommending that you really like, that you've used in the classroom and it works well. Okay, enough of those asides. Let's get back to the ACT test. On reading, it's interesting about reading because here's the main strategies. And first of all, This first one is a main strategy for any test, ACT or classroom. Remind those students, the first thing you should do, especially if you have a really, if the student really has a good idea, but not a perfect idea, well, the first thing you should do is go down through those answers and cross out any obviously incorrect answers. Narrow your choices. That will help quite a bit. Secondly, if you're a fat, if the student is a fast reader, it's probably best for them to go ahead and just read and answer in the order of difficulty. If you're a s- slow reader, though, read the three passages, answer the questions, try your best, skim the fourth section, and guess for the best answers. Or in other words, if you're a fast reader, you know, do it in order of difficulty. If you're a slow reader, Just take them as you can and do your best. Now, often, and this isn't on every answer, these are most of these strategies are ones that the student don't have an idea what the answer is. Often in reading, the longest answer is correct. So have them read their longest answer, and if that sounds like it might at least be correct, then or, or sounds correct. That's probably the one they should go with. And remember, remind them they can mark on the test themselves. They're answering on like a, it's not a Scantron, but it's very similar to that on a separate sheet. Now, here's some things that seem to work. They should avoid an answer that has an absolute term such as always, never, all, absolutely, and completely A lot of times, those are answers you should ignore because always means all the time, never changes. Never means it never happens, never will. So a lot of times, those absolute terms, if you're guessing at a question, 
maybe leave those off. Look for the negative words, accept, not reject. Same strategy there. Pay attention to contrast words that signal a change in meaning. The correct answer usually follows. Those words are like, however, in spite, but, yet, and therefore. So as the reading, the correct answer usually follows those types of words. So those are some good tips for the reading section. And we've got three other sections to go. I don't want to hurry through this, but I don't want to keep you here forever either. So I'll try my best to get through all the tips that I have heard over the years about the different sections. Okay, here we go. English section. 20% of the time I have heard, that's a one in five chance, the answer is no change. Because ACT thinks maybe you're... Students are too scared to pick that answer. 20% of the time, it's no change. So if you think it's no change, 20% of the time it is. The shortest answer, believe it or not, is usually right. They want the answers as brief as possible. Always read the omit, delete the underlying portion. Answer option first. If it is grammatically correct and makes sense, that's the right answer. Yes or no questions are more than likely no. If you have no idea, that might be something to keep in mind. Remember, they should, all the students should remember that the function of, this is English, so the function of periods, colons, and semicolons is to separate sentences. The function of commas, dashes, and parentheses is to set off clauses within sentences. Commas separate items in lists. And you separate two sentences with words like for, and, nor, but, or, yet, or so. Just those simple ideas in the English section will also help the students with that. Science and math is a little bit shorter in strategy. You might want to remind the students that they don't have to memorize anything. So they should feel free to mark right on the text and mark right on the grass for words that you know, the big words, the defining words, the words that they remember from their classroom, mark those because you're probably going to need to come back to those in your answer. They should scan their graphs first. Most of the time, answers will be found within the graphs and the charts themselves. So that's what they should be scanning. And Reading will be normally opposing viewpoints. Again, don't try to memorize. Just mark up the text. You know, look for things that contrast with each other. Look for the keywords, and that will help them quite a bit in the science section. And finally, math. You know, a lot of people think math is the hardest part. And to be honest, I'm going to give you the least amount of strategy on that. Tell the students... And again, this is, should be their strategy on every math test they take. Maybe every test they take, go through and answer the easy questions first. Answer the easy ones first. Easy and hard questions, you're going to get the same amount of points. So don't spend all your... If the first three questions look to be hard, save them for last. Because if you end up spending... The student ends up spending too much time on them... Well, they're not going to get credit for the easy ones either because they're not going to get to them. So all they can do is do the best they can. Obviously, get a calculator if allowed. 
And again, don't leave anything but blank. So math, easy question first. Easy and hard questions are the same amount. And just remind them, do the best they can. Math can be quite intimidating to some students. And if not taught properly, I'll go back to something I said in one episode, how a student came up to me, and even though the teacher he was talking about is a very good teacher, a very friendly teacher, he hated the fact that every time he asked this teacher something, they would say, you should already know that before then giving their answer. It made that student reluctant to go back to that teacher. So don't catch yourself in that bind, okay? Now, some final overall tips. Here's what you should tell them. Remind them, guess if they can eliminate at least one choice, cross off the answers that they know are incorrect. That will help quite a bit. Make sure they avoid stray marks on their answer sheet. A machine is kind of finicky like that and will score your test, and they don't know what to The machine's not going to know the difference between your correct answer and a careless mark on your test. Easy questions usually come before hard ones, so that's something to keep in mind. Keep checking. Tell the student to keep checking that they're placing their answers in the correct section and number on the answer sheet. You don't want to put it in a section that's not even used and mess up in that regard. Again, don't spend too much time on any one question. Hope you know you want to shoot for just a few seconds on the easy ones and not spend maybe more than one or two minutes on the hard ones. Have them practice. They should be practicing with there's there's old ACT tests floating out there all the time. Also, tell them they shouldn't ever change an answer unless they're sure they made an error. You know the old statement that's been said many times, your first impulse on an answer is usually the correct one. So unless you're sure you messed up, have them never change an answer, okay? Only if only if they're sure they made an error. One thing that I thought was an interesting strategy that I heard a while back is make sure you read the question carefully. Now, that's not new advice, but what happens sometimes if you'll read a keyword that you remember from your classroom discussion and you get so ingrained in knowing what that is and then seeing an answer that would apply that you forget to answer what the question is saying? Maybe it's got a word in there like accept, like all these work accept, and you're so keyed up about getting it correct that you answer one of the words you remember. Make sure the students practice reading the questions very closely so that they don't misunderstand. I've given tests this year in my classroom to students who might have only missed one question, and they missed it because they didn't realize the question was looking for the exception rather than what was truly applied in that situation. So, Remind them of that. And then, you know, it, I think it kind of helps just to know the general format of an ACT test. This is it. There's typically, unless things change, and I guess they have the right to change it anytime they want to. ACT, there's 19 analogies. There's 19 sentence completions. 40 reading comprehension. 35 math multiple choice. 15 quantitative comparisons, and 10 student-produced responses. So 
That's important. Share those with those students. If you've got the ACT coming up soon, they'll be so happy that you did. If it's a while away for you, you know, they they get to retake it if they want to. So hopefully, you know, that's okay to tell them and for them to keep them back of their mind, but not to the point that they don't concentrate the first time they take it. There's such a thing as being overconfident. I've I've seen students that got much better grades than me in high school that I scored higher than them on the ACT test, significantly higher. And I think sometimes you can go in overconfident and see those words that remind you of something and mark an answer that might be incorrect. But if you use all these tactics, I think the students will be in good shape. Teachers, share these with your students. By all means, I hope this is one episode that we have post galore on Substitute Teachers Lounge group page on Facebook because I want to know your strategies, doggone it. What are your strategies to help these students get through this ACT test? Yes, the goal is to learn the material, but it sure doesn't hurt to know some tips about actually taking the test. Teachers, share that with your students and substitute teachers. Have a few of those in your back pocket to share with all of them at the end of your class.